Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the From the Finney podcast. I'm catching up with Peter Ridsdale today to look back at the season. We'll look ahead to the summer. We'll discuss recruitment and a few other bits and bobs as well. So enjoy. Peter, thanks very much for joining me. I appreciate your time. How have you been? Yeah, so been very hectic. In fact, been more hectic since the season stopped for some reason. So, no, all was good. That's got to be good though, keeping busy and all that. Yeah, well, that's what they pay me for. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I think that the people seem to um, perhaps not appreciate just how much work there is to be done in the close season. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of work to do at the training ground, at the stadium to get it fit state for next season. Um, we've obviously got a lot to do on the player front. Um, uh, there's a lot just happening in terms of season tickets and you know, just every area of the business, apart from obviously on a Saturday afternoon, it uh, gets busier during this period, and obviously there's a finite time, so um, it's not necessarily the most exciting bits of the job, but uh, they have to be done. I guess your Saturdays will be filled up with other stuff as well. Not obviously not games anymore for the next yeah, few probably. months. Probably, I mean, the last few weeks, um, obviously we only stopped playing. It was a week last Saturday, and last Saturday I was at the cup final. Um, I'm going to the championship um, player final, so there's a few games coming up, but. Um, it is nice for once to perhaps have a, a two-day weekend rather than one. Yeah, every cloud and all that. Um, yeah, we're, we're seven months on now from uh, obviously the sad, untimely passing of Mr. Hemmings, but how much have things changed around the club since that time? Or is it still much of a muchness given that Craig's still in charge? Um, there are differences, some of the subtle differences. Uh, Mr. Hemmings was... Um, very intimately involved on a daily basis. The phone would ring 10 or 12 times a day. And, um, you know, that just demonstrated how interested and involved he was in what we were doing. But um, obviously, it sometimes became difficult to actually get things done because you're on the phone all the time. Um, whereas the contrast has been just the opposite. Craig has got a number of companies under his, his, his wing. And um, he's... Um, He's more, once he knows what's happening, he leaves it to you, which is helpful and um, doesn't show any different interest in the club. I mean, he's very interested in what we're doing, speak to him every morning without fail. Um, but um, it's more, we'll get on with it and tell me, you know, when you've got it done sort of thing. So there are differences. Um, I think we're still adjusting. Um, obviously, it was a shock to us all. And um, in situations like that, you almost get on with it without realising what you're doing the same or different until you stop and think, crikey, this is where we're at now. So, look, it's been a, a strange year all the way through. And certainly in terms of Mr. Hemmings, it was uh, a shock to all of us because, I mean, literally up to the afternoon that he died, he'd been um, on the phone to us, you know, uh, telling us what he's expected from us. And um, uh, it, it's taken a lot of adjusting for everybody. Yeah, I can imagine it. So it's, uh, it's probably not been the smoothest process. Uh, and obviously someone that you have a relationship with like that, where you're speaking to them so often on a daily basis, and then for them just to not be there, it's, yeah, I can imagine it's been uh, a difficult time for everyone. How- I think also, Jake, the, the, you know, the thing that I'm not sure whether it's any easier or not, but it was so sudden. You know, Mr. Emmons was absolutely mentally on the ball and was you know running the business um, from the Isle of Man and uh, I suppose it's the fact we had no time to adjust or plan I mean we all believed it would they'd be there forever 
So um, that was the most difficult element. But ultimately, we have a responsibility to get on with it and to make sure that his legacy is how we run the club going forward. Yeah, I suppose it's it's not something you can ever really plan for, is it? Uh, no. Like no. Um, how, how do you look back at the season that's just finished? Um, well, it's difficult. It depends what your aspirations are when you start, isn't it? And um, um, I suppose everything about last year was probably not what we expected. Um, we started off in the summer with, do we or don't we give Frankie a chance permanently? Uh, he'd uh, exceeded our expectations when he took over for the last eight games of the previous season. Um, I think at the time, the judgment call, which I'd do again, was how do you not give somebody a chance who wants the job and has demonstrated he can get 17 points out of 24 from a team that weren't performing at that level before. Um, then, you know, as you've already said, we had um, uh, the, Mr. Hemmings' death. Um, we then changed manager. I suppose it's the most complex and difficult season we've had for many a year. Um, the fact we've come out of it, in my view, very strong. I think it's a testimony to everybody working at the football club because we've been through challenges. Um, we've come to a point where we've got a manager now that um, everybody seems to be supportive of. You know, we certainly are and the supporters appear to be. The players definitely are. And I think we've ended a season which could knock us off track, you know, in terms of what we had, the challenges we had. Ended it uh, on a high with the last few games, um, certainly the last two games at Barnsley and home to Middlesbrough. Um, obviously, the, the big win at home to Blackpool, which was obviously very important for our supporters. Um, and we go into the summer with an opportunity to build on the squad we've got because there were so many players out of contract and to give Ryan the tools to show what he can do. And he's very optimistic. He's very professional. Um, and he's ambitious. And I hope that that rubs off on all of us in terms of what we can achieve. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think it's certainly started to rub off on, rub off on the fans. In terms of, obviously, Frankie's time at the club last season, just looking back at that, do you think employing Frankie, someone with eight games as a, as a head coach behind him, was the right thing to do? Well, I think I've already said that I'd do the same again. Um, because you don't know when you do it what the outcome's going to be. And um, this club, I think, particularly has got a track record of number two stepping up to number one and doing very well. Um, you know, obviously Billy did that. I know David Moyes did that. Um, we're in a situation where how the heck do people get the first chance in football management if people don't give them a chance? And as trials go, he'd pass the test. Um, so... If you always knew the outcome to every decision, you'd sometimes make different decisions, but you can only make a decision based on the, what knowledge you have at the time. And we took a decision at the time and, you know, as I say, in the same circumstance, I'd do the same thing. I say hindsight is the most wonderful thing that few of us have ever got to, uh, to make decisions with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, just on the takeover, obviously, the takeover that never happened, um, we only we only won one game in seven after the rumours started. Uh, I think it was on the thirteenth of February until it all ended with uh, Derby away. Do you think that was something that perhaps subconsciously distracted the players and the staff at the club from sort of the most important thing? Look, you can make circumstances fit whatever argument you want to make them fit. Um, if I have a disappointment in what happened is um, it's a bit like football transfers what you hope is that nobody knows what's going on until you announce a, a conclusion um, on this occasion it was played out too publicly um, it's not something that I would ideally like to see but I can't control it and when you have that uncertainty created you don't know how people react some people rise to the occasion and show them what you could do and others get distracted by it whether the players were distracted, I don't know. You have to ask them. The fact is, our performances on the field didn't result in wins, so you can draw whatever conclusions you want. Um, we live in a world where it's almost impossible to keep things quiet or secret, even though we would want to. You know, social media has 
got this impact of you know whatever we do this second is suddenly on Twitter within three minutes or something you have to respond to it sometimes it's true sometimes it's not true but we live in a very different age and we have to be more responsive and sometimes that's positive but often it's not is there anything more you can say? Is there any, any more light you can shed on what happened with the takeover? Obviously, it didn't happen, so there is that. That's quite obvious. But are you in a position to say anything else about what went on now? Or Not really. We signed a confidentiality agreement. We stuck to that. Um, to the degree that anything's been said in the public domain that was not factually correct, we've corrected it, as you know. Um, but... There's nothing else to add, really. I mean, you know, in terms of the club itself, um, we've made it clear that the Hemmings family uh, are completely committed to the future of this football club. Um, they've been a joy to work with, you know, when Mr Hemmings was alive and, you know, sadly since his death, uh, a joy to work with as well. Um, they are brilliant owners of this football club in terms of their financial contribution, the stability they create. Uh, but it's a bit like football transfers in the football industry. If somebody comes along and says, I fancy your centre forward, here's a big check, you you listen. And I'm sure that if somebody comes along, not just the cash in this case, but they're the right people to take the club forward, I'm sure people will listen. But I think the most important thing is who they may be as opposed to how rich they may be. Because... Um, I know that Craig and the family are very proud of how they've run the club since the takeover in 2010. And they would be very keen to make sure that their legacy included what happens beyond their ownership. Um, but who knows what will happen? We're not actively trying to, to sell. But, you know, it's the same with goalkeepers or strikers or midfield players. We're not actively, but you never know what might turn up. Yeah, never say never, I guess, in this game, eh? Exactly. Um, how's, how's Ryan been to it with since he joined the club? I know, uh, obviously, it's quite clear that he's he's lifted the mood around the club and, and he's done uh, a really good job in reconnecting the fans and the club. Um, but how's he been from your point of view to work with on a day-to-day basis? Um, he's been different. Um, every manager has got different characteristics. Uh, he walks in every morning with a smile on his face, normally sings as he walks down the corridor, very optimistic. Um, he's um, very confident, uh, ambitious, and uh, that means that he's a joy that perhaps we've been missing for a while that hopefully will engage us and take us to where we want to be. Um, you know, it's a big step up for Ryan as well. I mean, that in the nicest possible way because obviously he'd been... Uh, working both League Two and League One, and the Championship is probably the most competitive league uh, out of the four under the you know Premier League and Football League. Um, and there literally isn't a game you can predict uh, what the outcome's going to be. And I think that that was something that, however much you tell somebody, until you actually get there out there on the field and see what happens on a Saturday or midweek, um, it's difficult to express. So I think it's been a quick learning curve for him, but. From what I've seen so far, he's taken it all on board, taking his stride, and I'm very confident for the future. Good. Um, in terms of last summer, then, the players that we brought into the club that hadn't been here the season before, so Sepp, Dan, um, Liam Lindsay, they, they, well, barring Ali McCann, they didn't really have an impact on the season. Um, he, obviously, Ali's proven to be a, a good sign and a shrewd signing, but... Between the new faces that were brought in, Josh Murphy, Matthew Sunday, Izzy Brown, Jamie Thomas, can kind of include Conor Wickham, even though he only joined in, what was it, September, October. Um, they made one league start between them. I'm not sure that's something that can be viewed as a success, is it? Well, you just said it isn't, so I'm not going to argue with it. Um, I mean, the well, reality- what, what's, what's, your, what's your take on it? Like, do you, do you, obviously, like, you, you'll have your own thoughts on how things panned out with it, with those players. Well, the thing about recruitment, and I've said this time and time again, um, is that people criticise us and say we're not very good at recruitment, and then they criticise us if they don't think the manager's the one who's recruiting. Um, and with one exception in my time here, every single person we brought into this football club has been with the manager's 
either knowledge, approval or instigation. Um, all the successful players, everybody's brought in and all the failures only I've brought in, apparently. Um, but the reality is that the manager at the time says what position he wants to fill. He knows what the availability is of players out there and he endorses or initiates who we're going to sign. Um, some work, some don't. And I think that over the years, you go to any football club and the ones you remember the successes and you rarely concentrate on the ones that are less successful. Um, I mean, the fact that we brought Sep back um, when we first brought Sep in in January of, of uh, last season, um, I think some people didn't necessarily want him. He came as part of the Ben Davis deal. Um, and um, I think his last 12 months, he's been absolutely outstanding and everything were geniuses. But when we first brought him in, there was a question as to whether he had a right-sided centre-back, uh, particularly as we were playing a four at the time. Was he a right-back? Um, was he a right wing back in a in a three five two, um, and then last season he made that right side centre half in a three his own and was outstanding. Uh, Danny Leverson was opportunistic because Deck hurt himself. We've been looking at him for quite a while, um, but we brought Dan in um, and he just got player of the season. Um, Cameron Archer we brought in on loan and he got the, the goal of the season. I was raving about Emil Reese just had an outstanding season, but he'd only come in the season before and. You need to settle in. Nobody's talking about that recruitment. Um, uh, ben Whiteman came in the previous January and I think he's outstanding and has made his, you know, his position his own. Ali McCann, I think we will see going forward just how good a signing he's been. So there have been some very good successes. And have there been some that work? Of course there are. Jamie, who was a lovely lad, was always a gamble. You know, he did well for us pre-season. Um, Bamber Bridge, and it was one of those, you've nothing to lose. Josh Murphy was a loan that um, the manager at the time wanted from, from Cardiff. You know, clearly, I think everybody would agree it didn't work. And has he got a bad injury? Um, so I've probably said there are four or five or maybe even six who have been outstanding and three or four that haven't. That's football. I was told a long time ago, two in five right, you do it very well. Yeah, fair enough. Was it Howard Wilkinson, that? It was. I've said it before to you. <laughs> yeah, plenty of times. Um, in terms of James now, obviously he's changed his role to, is it a loan manager? Yeah, Central. loans and partnerships, yeah. Um, and then obviously we've started working with market insights. What's What's been the thinking behind that in terms of James's change of role and bringing market insights in? Is that something that Ryan's driven or is that a, a club decision? or? Well, look... <laughs> I think there's a complete misconception about how recruitment takes place in any football club and certainly here. Um, we at any moment in time have identified positions we want to strengthen or bring players in. Um, and whether that be the manager, the coaching staff, myself, agents talking to us, scouts out there watching games, we have, we have a whole infrastructure of people who are part of that process. And when James first came in, his role was as the analyst to, to do a lot of the video analysis and stats behind the players we were thinking of bringing in. Um, Ryan has a company that now does that, and that would have made James's role duplicated and taken some of the excitement and interest away from him. But he'd already demonstrated his skills. And one of the other areas that we think we do not as well as we should is when you're an under 18 who stands a chance, you need a pathway. You need to be playing adult football, either in our first team or in somebody else's first team, just like Villa did with Cameron, just like Liverpool did with Set. We need to do that with our players. And nobody was doing that. And nobody was really taking the time and trouble to find the right homes for them. So Adam O'Reilly, for example, is playing at St. Patrick's. They're going to be in Europe this year. That's going to be a very good experience for him. Um, and the players we wanted out alone, who were already in the first team squad to get experience like a Jordan story, um, nobody was looking after them either. So James has taken that natural ability to understand a player, their strengths, weaknesses, development, etc. And we've given him that as a focus so that our current crop of under 18s who look as if the two or three who could really stand a chance will either be in our first team squad or playing adult football somewhere so they don't go backwards. So that's a very important role. 
So we did that because Ryan had got a company he'd worked with who did what James does. And rather than doing it here every day of the week, they do it remotely and come in and present to us. So it was just an opportunity, really. But if anybody believes that, um, you know, it's interesting. People say our recruitment's not good. Um, over the years, I think we've demonstrated, we've got Daniel Johnson, we've got, you know, Jordan Hugo we brought at the time, Callum Robinson brought at the time, Tommy B, who's just done five years with us, Alan Brown. Uh, you just go through, you know, then more recently, we've talked about Ali McCann, we've talked about Emil Reese, um, uh, we've talked about Ben Whiteman, Ryan Ledson. Our recruitment isn't bad. If you look at the financial constraints under which we have to operate because of our income streams, etc., all people tend to do is concentrate on the ones that don't work. But I would argue over the last five or six years, we've had some amazing successes in terms of recruitment, and we have to carry on doing that. Um, and of course, there's some that haven't been as, as good as others, but concentrate on the successes as well. And the process that's identified them hasn't changed. Now, the one thing that has changed is every manager's got their own view. So, um, you know, Simon had a view on the players he wanted and was happy to have. Um, Alex had a view, which may well have differed from Simon's. Frankie had a different view and Ryan's got a view. So what we have to do is to make sure the process we go through in terms of recruitment marries with the manager's aspirations and needs and requirements and, of course, our affordability. So is it safe to say then that our recruitment strategy, if you want to call it that, is always more manager-led as opposed to being club-led? I know some clubs have a club strategy, if you will, that they stick to and doesn't matter who comes in, they have to fit into that. Would you say that ours is the opposite, where it's, like I say, more, more manager-led or is it maybe more of just a cohesive sort of planned thing that happens between the club and the manager? Well, what makes me smile is, you know, when people say, is it manager or club? Because the manager is part of the club. And when you recruit a manager, you have to try and uh, explain the club's philosophy, I, what, what market we can afford to trade in, uh, where the wage bill sits, how players fit into that wage bill, um, and then work with the manager on who he thinks is the best fit for each position based on the club's philosophy of affordability and, and everything else. Um, but to suggest it's the manager-led means it's different to the club. The manager is part of the club. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, is there any money to spend this summer? I know you've spoken in the past about cash neutral and things like that, but or is well, it not as simple as saying, yes, there is money to spend? Well, it's not as simple isn't? because what I don't want to do is go on some podcast and everybody say, oh, great, p and I sit there with a, a treasure chest to, to spend because it puts the price up. All I would say to you is I don't think there's been a single transfer window when we haven't acquired new players. And when I used to say to Mr. Hemmings, oh, this player's free, he said, does that mean you're not paying him? <laughs> nobody's free um, because you've got, to, you've got to pay wages, etc. We have always managed within our philosophy uh, to bring in players, whether it be for transfers or frees or whatever, that fit into what the manager wants and will continue to do that. In terms of this summer then, um, do you envisage it being busy given the number of players that have left? Um, I hope it's busy because we've got some fairly crucial slots to fill. Um, we're sitting here at the moment. I've just been dusting my goalkeeping gloves down because we're yeah. goal. Has Gally, has Gally not still got his? Yeah, I think he'd probably outdo me on that based on uh, <laughs> uh, how, how fit he is. Um, and we've got an outstanding young goalkeeper in our under-18s as well coming through. But um, it will be busy in the sense we've identified, we've said it publicly, that clearly we need to add two, if not three, keepers. Um, I think nobody would be surprised we're looking for wing-backs both sides. Um, and we're always looking for another 20 goal a season striker as well as Emil. So um, we expect to be relatively busy. Um, that will be determined by who's available, but we have slots and it was one of those summers where we probably heard on the side of, if we're not sure they go, as opposed to perhaps in the past, if we're not sure we gave them another chance. Um, and we've done that because it does free up um, space within the wage budget. Yeah, I think that was something that a few fans might have been a bit sort of anxious about heading into the publication of the uh, retained list was that there has been summers, January's, whatever times in the past where 
there have been players where there's maybe been question marks over them. Um, obviously, maybe not from the point of view of, of the club and, and yourself, but certainly from some of the fans. Uh, and like you say, it's transpired that they maybe would be given another chance. And I think it's one thing that um, I saw a lot of praise for the club about on, on Twitter and Facebook and the fire, the forum and wherever else that those players that perhaps did have question marks over them this time, they haven't been given another chance and they've been let go. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a positive. Well, it's uh, a positive if you can get better then. And, of course, that's the challenge. Well, yeah, true. No, and, of course, the, the other thing about football, which is what makes it such a great game, is everybody's got a different view on every player. So, you know, I see some of the comments that uh, on social media about some of our players who are departing or players who are still here. And I don't always agree with everybody's viewpoint. But the great thing is everybody's entitled to their viewpoint. And ultimately, the only thing that determines whether it works or not is how it works once the manager puts his team together. I mean, we've got at least one player in the squad who a year ago, most fans would have wanted to leave, who has become a hero and has played a lot of games in a particular position and scored a very good goal away at a ground in the, um, in the Midlands. Um, I think it's easy to criticise. And sometimes I think that criticism needs to be just considered because um, players are here for a reason. They fit into a squad system. They do a job. And that job sometimes isn't immediately obvious as to what job they're being asked to play on behalf of the, the manager of the club. Um, uh, what I will say is we have nobody here in the squad who isn't going to give everything they've got for this football club. And I want all our supporters, hopefully, whether it be existing players who are staying or those who are joining, to get behind and support them because most people perform better when they're supported rather than criticised. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Ryan's spoken about wanting to bring in championship-ready players, uh, players that have got the experience played at the level before. I know Andre Gray is one name that we've been linked to, whether or not there's anything in that, only you guys will know. But is that a difficult thing to do in terms of bringing in players with championship experience for a club like us? Or is it is it not? Is that something that is perhaps perceived from the outside to be a difficult thing to do for a club like Preston North End? I think the difficulty in easily answering it is, you know, is Ben Whiteman a championship-ready player? He came out of League One with Doncaster, but I don't think anybody would argue that um, he can't perform in the championship. He's outstanding. Yeah. Well, that, um, that was going to be the next part so, of my question. Was, so, you know, are they, what, sorry, are they championship players in terms of they've played at the level or are they players that we perceive to be championship-ready? Well, clearly, if we don't think the championship-ready, we're not going to sign them and put them straight into the team. Um so our challenge is as follows. We'll look at loan players from Premier League. We'll look at championship players who managers at other clubs don't like or fancy or don't fit into their system and they become available. And we'll look at aspiring players from the league below who we think can step up. Um, if you look at you know, our, our successes over the years, you know, John Hugel came from Port Vale. Um, which were obviously low division at the time. Callum Robinson came from a Premier League team on loan initially. Daniel Johnson did the same. Alan Brown came from Ireland. You just go through the whole squad. Tommy B came from Morecambe. Um, you look at a player and you look at those players and you say, do you think that they are going to be ready now or very quickly so they can contribute? What we're not going to do is go out and sign a load of players who might take two or three years before they can be considered because we want to go into next season stronger than we left last season. And that means we will sign players who we think can contribute straight away. Has the takeover not happening affected anything in terms of this summer? Or was it always a case of we'll work to what we know in terms of if this doesn't go through, we know that it's still going to be the Hemmings family in charge and this is what we've got to work towards? Or were there, were there things that were changed on the off chance that it might have gone through. Like, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, um, because of the timing of it, and obviously it was when the window was closed, the only thing it did probably, and I don't think it's affected at all, is things like season ticket campaigns were probably 
um, held up briefly. Um, but to be honest, given the impact it's had, I don't think that's mattered at all. But to the degree we could, it was business as usual. And certainly in terms of our planning for this summit, it hasn't affected it at all. I know DJ has been one of, if one of, if not the best performers since Ryan's come in. Uh, is that a contract at the end of next season? Is that something that we're looking at already? Or Well, we're doing two things. We're looking at those slots we need to fill now. And then we've got a list of those players who've got 12 months to go and two years to go and taking a view on what we might need to do. But the short-term priority is absolutely to get the slots filled that being freed up to make sure we've got a squad that can compete on day one. Of course, we'll address those players with 12 months to go as soon as we can. But in terms of knowing what we need to do, we almost need to know what we've brought in first. And, you know, I'm not going to... You've commented on DJ... Um, I think a lot of players have been outstanding since Ryan's come in. Um, I'm delighted to say that the majority are still with us, although obviously some were loan players. Loan players are interesting because if you get it right, you criticise because they're going back. And if you get it wrong, you criticise for taking them in the first place. And I think that last season we saw with certainly three of our loan players that if you get it right, it can make a very big impact on the squad. Yeah. Just on the loan players, is there um, is there any chance of Dan or Sep coming back or is that something that's looking increasingly unlikely or is it a case of never say never? Um, well, you always have to say never say never but from a planning point of view we're assuming they don't. Right. I know. I mean, I guess the same Same can be said for Cameron as well but I know Ryan's already said... I think he's... it's slightly different. I mean, look, uh, Sep had been with us for six months before the last 12 months. So had Daniel. Um, and it was Cameron's first loan. Um, I actually believe that the reason Sepp was so good is because he came back to somewhere he knew, he'd had a taste, and then he knew he got 12 months ahead of him to show what he could do. Um, and I think Cameron would benefit enormously, personally, I know I would say this, wouldn't I, um, from coming back and spending another full season with us. He's only 20, um, unless Stevie G thinks he's going to get straight to their first team, because there is nothing to beat playing competitive football at the right level if you're a young player. So um, I hope that there's a chance um, with Cameron and I think it would help him enormously. But, you know, he's not our player. Yeah. I know I spoke to, um, I think, did you have a, a, an open day for the press last summer before the season started? Um, and I spoke to Sepp at that and I remember him saying that it was one of the things that made his decision to come back here a lot easier was the fact that it was coming to a place that he already knew. You didn't have to settle in and sort of get to know everyone again and make friendships and whatever else. So I guess, you know, the same could be said for Cameron that coming back here versus somewhere else, they're boxes that might be ticked in our favour that it's coming back somewhere he knows, he knows the manager, knows the players, knows the staff and, and whatnot. So I guess that's something that for a player could, could make a decision like that a bit easier? Well, look, clearly I agree with you. Um, the question is whether Cameron agrees with um, Yeah. Um, but I'd like to think we stand a chance. I'd like to think he goes on loan and come here. Yeah. And I think the way we looked after him, I think Aston Villa were very happy with and impressed with. Certainly I know that both Liverpool and Leicester have been impressed and happy with the way we looked after Daniel and, um, and Seth. And I, to the degree we've done our job as well as we can, I think we stand a good chance, but time will tell. Just on the low market in general, how do you view the usage of it? Like you said a minute ago, I know you can you can be criticised for and against using it, but it, is there an argument to say that it's perhaps detrimental to a club to be so reliant on the low market on a long-term basis? Because you're bringing players in, developing in them, and then, you know, in, in Sepp and Daniel's case, obviously they came back after a short spell for a longer spell, but inevitably you're going to lose them. And it it doesn't, from a long-term point of view, it, there's a lot of pressure, isn't there, to replace that quality when they've gone. So how do you view the loan market in that regard? Why is it different to having quality players who just aspire to go to the Premier League and leave you anyway? Well, they're under contract, aren't they? Presumably. Yeah, and you would know, be in a position to get a bit of bit of money the, for them. Yeah, but look, the reality is that um, what we want is the best players we can for the team. 
And we will try and get those in the permanent market if we can, and clearly that's ideal. But there are moments in time when to add that extra bit of quality uh, means that you have to accept a loan if it's at a quality you can't replicate by taking somebody permanent. So strike is a classic case in point. How do you go out of the transfer market and afford a transfer fee and the wages that come with a 20-goal-a-season striker? You either get lucky, as arguably we did with our recruitment of Emil, um, and we paid a transfer fee and he fits in our wage structure. Um, he's done very, very well the last 12 months. But then everybody's saying, will he stay or won't he stay? Which is no different to, to a loan player, despite the fact he's got three years in his contract. Um, all we will try and do at any moment in time is to put together a squad that we believe is the best we can afford to compete in the championship. And of course, ideally, they'll all be ours. But that shouldn't be to the detriment of re rejecting a loan player option if we think it'll make us better. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I suppose leads nicely on to my next, my next question. Um, since Ryan's been at the club, there's been more successes or seemingly more successes around some of the younger lads that have been coming through. Um, obviously, Mikey O'Neill's been given his chance. Uh, Aaron Bennett, and I think, is it Dana or Dana Amaral? I'm not sure how, how it's pronounced. They've both Anna, been given enough. Yeah opportunity to train with the first team as has Lewis Coulton I think as well uh, yeah. is an under 23s something that is on the cards for us or is that sort of what we spoke about before with James looking to get homes for some of those younger lads presumably the younger lads as well as other players that be going out on loan is that something that is more of a priority for us at the moment um, we're not going to go for the under 23s I think I've described it to you in the past it's like ballet dancing I'm not interested in that what we actually need is people who can compete in adult football. Um, what we are doing is, as you know, we joined the Central League last year, which is a reserve league. We actually won it. We won it with a lot of the younger players getting a chance to play in those teams. We'll continue with the Central League next year. And those players who are with us and coming out of the under-18s will get the chance to play in that league. Some will go on loan, some will be in Ryan's thoughts. Um, uh, you need a manager who is prepared to give them a chance, but you also need players who are good enough to have a chance. And at any moment in time, you know, it's a quality issue. Some, you know, it's, it's almost feast and famine. You know, sometimes you get three or four through who are good enough, and then for a couple of years you don't. Um, I'm very excited about the crop of youngsters we've got at the moment, um, as is Ryan. Um, as you know, they won the under-18 league, they won the, um, the Cup against Luton the other week, the Youth Alliance Cup. Um, a lot of them played in the Central League and won that as well. I think that bodes well for the future. Um, there are some players who get picked off by Premier League teams that we don't shout about, which is very frustrating, and then often just get lost into their system. Um, but it is what it is. You know, I think, um, I think our, given where we are geographically, um, given just the competition in general, I think our academy management are underestimated in terms of the job they do. I think they do an outstanding job. And I say this year just happens to be one of those years we walk in here, we've got a trophy cabinet with three cups in. What we'd like to do is add one for the first team next year. In terms of pre-season then, and obviously looking ahead to next season, uh, I know the pre-season friendly that we had arranged against Manchester United last season got cancelled for whatever reason some people say the messes around whatever is that something that has been sort of discussed for this pre-season if you're at liberty to disclose Which, that information but with them yeah with man united because i think um, wasn't it that it was cancelled last pre-season on the proviso that it would be fulfilled in the future yeah but it said in the future we had lunch with Manchester united uh, the day of the fulham away game uh, met them down in london sadly then you head coach or manager um, doesn't want to play a pre-season friendly in this country before flying to the Far East and so we had got a date in for that game which um, has regrettably been cancelled um, there is still a commitment to play them at some stage in the future um, the calendar this year is not ideal because the Premier League start a week after us which means they're all arriving back from their pre-season tours um, the Saturday we kick off um, so as we speak at the moment, we don't have uh, Manchester United in the calendar. We are talking to other clubs. 
Um, and we will announce soon who we've positively got as opposed to who we're talking to. Is there uh, anything in the rumours about Borussia Dortmund that are doing the rounds? Well, they're one club that have talked to us. We've talked to them, but it depends on their schedule. Certainly nothing's confirmed with them. And at the moment, I think it's less likely than likely. But I wouldn't rule it out. Nothing's been confirmed. Um, we are in discussions with a number of clubs. Um, um, the most likely um, uh, at a level above us is likely to be overseas opposition rather than domestic. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, like, like we said before, never say never in football. Yeah, you don't know. You just don't know. Yeah. Um, how much of an impact has the work that Tom and Harriet and the rest of the community and education trust staff had on the club as a whole, do you think, in the last sort of two or three years? Because I think it's, you know, uh, without wanting to sound patronising, it's incredible the work that they've done uh, in engaging the people of Preston and the local community with the club. Uh, but has that been felt across the club as well? Well, look, I was privileged enough to be at the House of Commons two or three weeks ago when they received um, an award for the work they're doing in the community here, which was obviously well-deserved. I think the difficulty in football is that um, a lot of people stand up and want to criticise very quickly, and there aren't many people who want to applaud. And sometimes you don't want to shout from the rooftops about the work you're doing because people think you're just you know, getting above yourself. Um, the reality is that the, um, the the guys of the trust, um, Tom and Harriet, have been absolutely outstanding for some time since they were appointed. Um, Tom was put into his role when he joined us from Wigan. Harriet's been with us for longer, but got promoted to to his deputy. And uh, I think the work they do is absolutely outstanding and should get more credit than perhaps it does just it does get. Um, but I think. Uh, I've already said the academy do a great job, um, and I mean it, and the trust absolutely. I think there's a lot of people here at the football club work very hard and long hours and their commitment to the club. I think this football club is underrated in terms of how people see it. Um, it almost goes unnoticed under the radar. Some people I know criticise us for our stability. They see that as lacking ambition. Uh, I don't think anybody should ever apologise for running things properly. And um, if people think it's unexciting, that's sad. Um, what I think it is, is a club to be proud of. And I think anybody who is associated with us should be very proud of that relationship because everybody who's employed here in whatever department, um, it's, it's their life and soul, they love it. Um, and they genuinely enjoy being part of what our supporters hopefully are proud of as well, which is a very good football club, which steeped in history and hopefully at some point in the future we'll be reminding the Premier League of that. In terms of the positive feel around the club at the moment, the season tickets, the obviously the work of the community and education trust that we've just touched on, there's, there's just a very good feel-good factor around the place at the moment. Do you feel that the time is now for the club to try and capitalise on all of that and give it a real good go this summer and into next season? Well, that suggests we haven't given it a right good go. I mean, the championship is the hardest division to operate in. We've got a number of clubs at any moment in time with parachute payments. We've got a number of clubs who behave as if they've got parachute payments, even if they haven't. Um, we've got some good clubs who, in any single season, do extremely well. And people say, why don't you? You know, A year ago, people would point the finger at me and say, you should be more like a club over in Yorkshire who qualified for the playoffs. And this year, they've just been relegated. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big challenge to take this club and to get it into the top six and then to top two. But we aspire to be in the top six, so if not the top two. We want to be in the Premier League. So um, there is a feel-good factor. I'm delighted about that. And I want that to continue with what happens on the field. Um, and if it does, we stand every chance. Um, but to suggest that we haven't in the past tried to capitalise. Of course we have. But we've got things like financial fair play. You know, uh, our turnover is the second lowest in the division, I think, um, which means that um, Craig and the family have had to put millions of pounds into this football club to keep it going. And then you come up against financial fair play rules. Now, some clubs historically think they've found ways around it. And then suddenly they've been caught out and we've seen what's happened there. 
we don't want to get caught out. We want to do things properly. But that doesn't mean a lack of ambition. Um, the ambition's there. I'm delighted for the feel-good factor because it means I can park my car and it's still there when I come back. Um, and um, what we want to do is to reward our supporters for their loyalty. And the only way you do that is on the field. In terms of just football in general, um, what, what's your take on the independent regulator that, um, that the government has said that they will try and establish? I know obviously you're involved with the AFL as well. Like, what's your take on that? Um, I'm nervous about it. Um, I'm nervous because whatever colour of government, and this isn't a political statement about the current government, any government, whether they are sufficiently in tune with industries like ours, which are complex, um, to be able to make the right decisions, I don't know. I've just got question marks. What I do know is that, and I've told the chair of the FA this last week, I think that the reason we're even talking about it is because the FA have stopped doing their job. You know, they are there to govern the English English football, and I think that they've allowed the Premier League to bully them. Um, and the Premier League have more of a say than the FA, in my opinion. I think the financial distribution model through English football is causing all sorts of issues. You know, you can't go from a position where if you're in the Premier League today, you're staring at relegation and think you're going to go into administration if you get relegated. That can't be right. There's got to be a far better system of distributing cash. And that doesn't mean to say that, you know, you take all the money off the Premier League. But if, if it was, if there were four divisions at the moment, nobody would devise a financial distribution model which is what we've got at the moment. Nobody would put all the money in the Premier League and nothing or little below that. You'd have a cascade effect through it to allow everybody to compete. Um, so if the independent regulator is required to force that to happen, I'm all in favour. I think there are other areas which I'm nervous about. I think the FA have got a really good one-off, unique opportunity to grasp the nettle and deliver a redistribution of the finances. And if they do that, they may well demonstrate to the government they don't need an independent regulator, or they may not. Um, but I think it's um, it's been brought upon us because we haven't tackled our own problems within the, the industry. How vital do you think it is to football that the redistribution of the finances uh, happens sooner rather than later? Well, it's critical. You can't have a situation where um, you know, three clubs again this year will come down with 44 million of parachute payments. Um, they often don't use that to sort out the contracts that they've got to sort themselves out financially. They use it to try and outperform uh, us on the field and go straight back up again. Um, in the playoffs this year, out of the top two who go up automatically and four in the playoffs, you know, Bournemouth, parachute payment. Fulham, parachute payment. Um, Huddersfield I think have still got parachute payment and Sheffield United have definitely got parachute payment so four out of six what does that say about it? Well, is that what we you want? Know, don't it? You know? um, so I just think it distorts competition and in some cases if they don't go back up again it causes all sorts of financial problems there's got to be a better way in my opinion and as I've already said if the Premier League and the Championship or the Premier League, Championship and Leagues 1 and 2 were all part of the same organisation, nobody would devise the current distribution model that we have in place. Penultimate one from me. Um, are, we, are we close to anything on the transfer front at the minute? Or is it still early days and probably that difficult time of the season with players away on holiday and all that sort of stuff? The difficulty I've got in ever answering that question is that I could say we're miles away now and announce something this afternoon. I could say we're close and it doesn't happen and then nothing happens. Um, all I can tell you is we're, we are working very hard um, with the, uh, the players that we've identified to see which ones are the priority and to see which ones will come. Um, in my experience, the majority of the work gets done towards the end of this month um, when players are thinking of for the beginning of June um, so that when they come back in at the end of June, you've got as near to the squad as you can to start training. And, of course, um, what you don't really want to do is pay players to join you and sit on the beach on the holidays. Um, so it's that balance. But um, I would expect the momentum to be greater towards the end of May, beginning of June than, than now. But I'm not really at the outlet experience. Uh, last one from me, then. Will we ever get to see a Peter Woodsdale fist pump? <laughs> <laughs>
Um, do you not see it now when we win? You won't see it on the field. That's not my domain. That's Ryan's domain. But um, Promotion uh, to the Prem? Any chance? Not on the field. That's not my... <laughs> that, that's down to the manager. But um, uh, anybody who watches me, me on a match day will know how I am when we're winning or losing. They don't have to... I don't hide my emotions. I show it. Yeah, I think it's been heard in the past as well. Um, but yeah, no, Peter, thank you very much. Really appreciate okay. your time as always. Um, and yeah, I've no doubt I'll speak to you over the coming weeks and months. Okay, thank you and best of luck with your new family. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.